This episode of the podcast is brought to you by 95 Adventures Coffee. That's right, we have our own coffee brand that supports the podcast. Now, a portion of the money that we spend on this higher quality bean goes towards supporting the family so they can do this full time instead of having to go get another job and then do part time harvesting of beans on their own property. Their whole family can do this together full time and have a higher quality of life. Also, a portion of this money goes towards rebuilding the habitat. That means the soil, the trees and the wildlife in the area, just all stuff that we believe in. And on top of all that, it's just great coffee. We've loved coffee for a long time. And so it's been a process to get it to where it's at, but we are really happy with the final product and we love the taste and we hope you do too. We have two blends, some of you and weekend getaway. Hit us up on 95adventures.com. That's nine spelled out five adventures.com. Or you can just send us a message on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and we'll get that right out to you. And just know that we appreciate it and that you support the podcast with every purchase of the bag. All right. My guest today is the host of, I don't know how many different radio shows. She does news. Her main thing is Infomaniacs on the radio. That's her radio show. She's a co-host with two other people. Also, she does Texas A&M volleyball and softball and just, I don't know, she does everything. When it comes to talking, using her voice and being on the radio, she does it all. And it was just a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed getting to know her and learning more about the radio industry and the news and all that good stuff. And you'll hear about it in the podcast, but please enjoy this conversation with Chelsea Reber. There we are. We're recording. Hey, this is nowhere close to your fancy radio studio. Hey, you know what though? It sounds really good. Really? Yeah, it does. The audio is great. That's awesome. I worked, we, like, I worked so hard with my lack of knowledge. I have to put in like probably a hundred more times the effort on the technical side of things just to get where I'm at right, right now. You know, it's funny. We started obviously having to interview a lot of guests via Zoom or Skype is another one that we'll use. And we've realized the audio is so much better than it is on like a cell phone, for instance. And so even once all of this is said and done, I can imagine a lot more interviews that are typically done over the phone are going to be done, you know, via Zoom or Skype or something like that. That's exactly why I, I re- was reluctant to get on the Zoom because I like just I had my whole audio set up and then but it transfers over to video for YouTube a lot easier. And once I recorded the first one, I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to I'm not even going to offer anybody the option. I'm just making the link and send it to them because it sounds really good through my mixer and through Zoom. Yeah, sure. I mean, in person is obviously ideal, but in times like this, this is a great alternative. What do you guys do? I, I guess explain to everybody a little bit what your actual like jobs plural are. Yeah, sure. Yes, I'm glad you I'm glad you prefaced with jobs because uh, there are uh, there are a few. But my main gig, I work for a local broadcasting company, Brian Broadcasting. We own eleven. I'm gonna get in trouble if I don't have that right. But we own about eleven radio stations and some publications as well. Uh, I primarily work for our news talk station, which is WTAW. I am a news reporter, anchor. I mean, there's only two of us truly in the news department. And so we kind of do it all. And then I am on a morning show called The Infomaniacs. We are on weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. And there are three of us. And we just talk about everything that is going on in the world. We talk about current events politics unfortunately we talk about sports and news and we talk about the kardashians and we talked about taylor swift this morning i mean we'll we'll cover anything under the sun um and so yeah so that's a lot of fun um but i do that you know that's oh and then i'm a, I'm a news reporter on all of our other stations or most of them so if you listen to candy 95 if you listen to willie 977 the zone maverick You've probably heard my voice doing a news update or maybe a community calendar spot, something like that. So um, I get a lot of airtime, which is a lot of fun. And don't you do something with the sports as well? Yeah. So, oh gosh, this will be my sixth year if fingers crossed uh, A&M Volleyball actually gets to have their season. But we, I do, um, so... When SEC Network launched in 2013, you know, there's obviously the SEC Network 
games that you see on TV, but they also wanted to have a digital component so they could cover as many games as possible. And so they got together with all the schools and they said, you know, you put together this production team, you have your own talent, uh, and then you will actually produce, it looks exactly like an ESPN SEC network broadcast, but we'll stream it on the website. So I am on uh, Texas A&M's volleyball and softball crew. And so I get to broadcast for those games. And then Last year, I actually started doing a little high school volleyball, which was a lot of fun because uh, I'm a local girl. So I played for Brian High. And so getting to go back and do some of those games was was a lot of fun. So, yeah. So I kind of dabble in a few different things there as well. I was about to ask, like, if you played sports and if this is something that you like the sports side of things, something you really enjoy, just like getting to talk to the players and report on it and all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah. So I mentioned I work, you know, for Brian Broadcasting and I'm mainly a news reporter. I actually got into this uh, doing sports and working for the zone and I still will randomly do interviews with coaches and players for some of the sports stations. Uh, but yes, I grew up playing mainly softball and volleyball. I played volleyball at Blinn College for two years. Uh, and then I transferred to A&M. I did not play on like the varsity team, the, you know, the D1 team that everyone knows, but I played club and had a lot of fun doing that. And so, um, yeah, it, it was, you know, it was sports has always been a part of my life. Uh, I wanted to be a sports reporter. I mean, I think Aaron Andrews is who everyone grows up, you know, wanting to be. Um, you know, I found my way into news and doing radio and some different things, but the sports side of stuff is definitely a lot of fun and I love it. Did you always know you wanted to be like in radio and talk and use your voice? Or is this something that you just like happened onto? Kind of happened onto, you know, I, so I, like I mentioned, I, I did two years at Blinn, which is really just, you know, getting all your prereqs out of the way. And especially as an athlete, I mean, we had a good time, but you got all the stuff done you needed to. So by the time I got to a and I mean, I really, I probably could have finished A&M in a year and a half, but I dragged it out because I thought, I, I don't know still <laughs> what I need to be doing. Um, I went into a communications and journalism program, ag communications and journalism, and you know loved it and got to do a few different things with writing and radio and TV. Um, but even when graduation date was looming, I still did not know exactly what I wanted to do. I thought I love sports. I love to talk. I guess I could try to marry the two. Well, both of my parents are from upstate New York. And so Syracuse University is up there. And that is one of the best communication school in the country. So my parents said, well, why don't you look at doing grad school? And that way, give yourself a little bit more time, but actually go learn about broadcast journalism because you really haven't had a lot of experience with it. So I applied to a few different places, got into Syracuse, uh, decided to make the uh, drive. Well, yeah, because we had to drive, but to get all my stuff up there, but 1500 miles up there and, uh, you know, however many hours away and so I ended up doing a year-long program at Syracuse um, in broadcast and digital journalism. And that is where I learned how to be a news and sports reporter. Which one do you, like, which one got you started, the news part or the sports part? I, this is not a secret. My bosses know this. I don't like news. I've never <laughs> loved news. <laughs> I will admit it. I will tell anyone anytime. I'm just, I'm not a news person. I've never been. I mean, you know, I grew up watching KBTX when my parents would have it on, you know, local news at 10 o'clock at night or whatever, but I was never into politics. I was never into, you know, what was going on with the city council or the school board or, you know, even the crime and the, the what, unfortunately, what people find interesting. I was just, I was never, you know, enthralled by it at, at all. Um, but when I went to grad school, that was their kind of MO. They were like, nope, you've got to learn how to do news first, sports. You know, anyone can go do sports, but you've got to learn the, the hard path first. And so, Actually, when I came home from grad school, I was super burnt out because I had been doing basically nothing but news for a year, and I did not want to move to Bozeman, Montana to be a news reporter at some, you know, rinky-dink station and have to, you know, live there for two years and then hop on to the next place and the next place and the next place. So it's a, it's a tough life. It's a, it's a tough life to be a news reporter and, you know, the industry, I mean, it's a tough life to be a sports reporter, don't get me wrong, but, um, but yeah, sports was something that I always truly loved and it was just a lot more fun obviously 
I don't, maybe it's my competitive athletic side that I care more about that stuff. But I, I see it being tougher to be a good sports reporter than I do it being a news person. Because the news people just seem like, like that whole Anchorman skit, that's why it's so funny. is because it seems like that's exactly what news people are like. And then the sports people, if you don't know, like, take, for instance, Stephen A. Smith trying to talk MMA talk. Right. He just gets lit up because... Sure. He doesn't fully understand. If you don't understand it, the fan base will chew you up and spit you out. But with the news, here's reporting that people are like, oh, well, that's a reporter, right? I guess she's right. Or, yeah. or they get mad at you because they disagree with your po- political reporting. And sure. They're yelling at their TV screen, throwing things at it and stuff. I mean, one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, news people get a- careful, though. News people, especially in local communities that really pay attention to the news, they'll get eaten alive, too, if they don't know. And a lot of times, you have to remember the news reporter is not necessarily from that town. I mean, that was one of the hardest things about being a news reporter in Syracuse, because that's ultimately what we did. We, we would drag our cameras and our tripods around, you know, with four feet of snow on the ground in February and report on stories that were happening in the city that we knew nothing about because we had only lived there for, you know, a few months. And so I consider myself really lucky getting to do news in a place that I grew up in because of the connections that I have and the connections and the the relationships that I've built. But, you know, you tell me, oh, this happened, you know, a car accident happened on Villa Maria, you know, near the intersection of Texas. And I know exactly where that is where if you're in a city, you have no idea, you know, where anything is, it makes it so much tougher. But going back to the whole, you know, if sports or news reporters, whatever's harder, I mean, the industry of being a a sports reporter is definitely harder just because there's less jobs, right? I mean, there's always less sports people than there are news people. And so that's part of it. It's a super cutthroat industry. And um, I mean, ESPN has laid off hundreds of people in the last few years. It's just, it, it's tough everywhere you go. So that's why you really have to be passionate about it. And, and some news people, absolutely passionate about it. I mean, I feel like we have some locally here that you can tell they just love what they're doing day in and day out. Um, I, I love my radio show in the morning. That's what keeps me going. I love the Infomaniacs. I love getting to talk about, you know, whether it's local or national issues, but that's a lot of fun to me. The, the actual covering, you know, city council, no offense, city councilman, but it's boring as hell. So that part is where I'm kind of like, eh, you know, luckily uh, my, my fellow coworker, my colleague in the news department gets to cover a lot of that stuff. So <laughs> well, is the, is it, you think a little bit of it is because you get to really be, you have your opinions and really talk about like, like an honest sort of news because the infomaniac sounds like kind of a new show, but it's just whatever you guys find interesting to talk about, which is what a lot of people are thinking or seeing or whatever, and they're hearing your opinions on it. And they're getting the real Chelsea and your guests and everybody else talking about it with these emotions versus just a person with a camera reporting to you what happened. Absolutely. Yeah. So the show really allows my personality to shine through. Um, I mean, I, I still have to be careful. It's not like XM radio where you can just go off on a tangent and, 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 you know, we, we definitely, we have a text line and people text us in all the time, letting us know when they agree or disagree with something, but you're right. I mean, when I'm reporting the news, I'm reading a script. And so there, you know, I can add a little spice to my sign off or something, but there, there's no, you know, there's not a chance for me to really voice what's going on in my head. It's just, here are the facts. Now I like that about news too, is that I am reading to you what is going on. This is factual. I, you know, this is what we have and and here's the story. Um, But that's why I love the infomaniac so much getting to do the morning show is I, I feel like my listeners actually get to know who I am as a person as well. Yeah, because, I mean, you can look at, there's a lot of things in news that frustrates me. I don't personally pay attention to it because I try to get the tidbits of what's going on and then research the actual thing outside of the way people are reporting it because it gets spun a lot. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of, like you said, things things that people are clicked on. I'm I'm necessarily like, why are we reporting this creating more of a hysteria? Yeah. that's going to sell stuff. And I get that. I, I'm not blaming the actual reported, reporters for it. I've just wondered how that process could change. Like if it, maybe if they just start reporting on different things, would it change then? Would people still click? 
I, I, I don't know. Well, it's interesting because I am on, I'm a news reporter on such a local level. And so we, you know, if you ever listen to our show in the morning, Infomaniacs, we rarely cover the national topics because guess what? You are being bombarded with that stuff everywhere else you look. And people listen to our show. I'm not saying we ignore it and we pretend like it's not happening, but I feel like people listen to our show, first of all, to get the local news, what is going on in their community, what is going to affect them when they wake up the next morning or, you know, go to bed that night. Um, but we also just have fun and we talk about random things that you aren't going to necessarily get if you're watching Fox News or CNN or because again, they are covering one to two, maybe three topics and just spinning it however they want to. And so it's funny how many of my personal, like my friends will be like, oh, the media sucks. And I'm like, do you know what I do for a living? Like, do you remember what, like, do you remember what I do? And like, well, not you, not you. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I get what they mean. And it's not, you know, you do, you look at the national media and you hear about it and it is, it's tough. I've never worked at that level. So I don't know what goes into the decisions that are made. Obviously it's, you know, who, who's investing in those companies and who's advertising with them and all that stuff. Those are, I mean, that's a world that I truly know, don't know a lot about. Um, but I know what we do and you know, I know what we report on and that's why I love being able, the other great thing is Brian broadcasting is locally owned. So like my, the owner of my radio station is a man that I personally know he is down the hallway. I see him all the time. I know my general manager. Um, we are not, you know, like an iHeart or a clear channel or anything like that. And you know, nothing against those big conglomerate companies, but I know exactly, you know, who my people are and that's an awesome feeling as well. Well, that's, I mean, that was going to be one thing you were saying that it, uh, news reporting stuff is a, and sportscaster or whatever is a, or sports reporter, sorry, is a, is a tough job. Radio seems like one of the toughest because, I mean, the MO is you've got to get fired from several jobs before something sticks. <laughs> Yeah. And some of my coworkers, I think have been, um, or, or have, you know, I've, I've, there's been some coworkers who have left our station. Um, I've been really lucky. This was my first ever radio job and this is, you know, where I've been the whole time, but I do hear the horror stories about, you know, working for stations that, you know, they've never seen their general manager or they have no idea who owns their company. And, and, you know, and you never know, if you're going to be around the next week or the next month or, or whatever. And so, and it is, it's a really tough industry. Um, the other nice thing is our general manager is, I mean, he's going to not as much anymore because of COVID, but is flying to DC. He's lobbying for radio. He's very involved in the politics of the industry. And so we kind of know firsthand like what's going on. And that's a good feeling too. Cause even if it's bad news, at least we're aware of it. Um, and, and it just seems from what I've heard, at least that it's a lot different when you work for a locally owned company than when you work for a place that's owned, you know, like I said, by iHeart or clear channel or one of those places. I imagine it's the same with like, like my job and what I do outside of this podcasting um yeah it i work for it's it's a bigger company but it's one family owns it and you know i'm sitting there with the son-in-law to the owner and sure. he's my boss you know so it's it's a i know the ends like you get comfortable and they're awesome people so it works out good i i've worked on the corporate side of things before and for companies and that's just no fun like it's right. just it's so stiff you don't you can't I like being me, like yeah. honestly, truly me to the core. I like, and with him, I can be me. I can be my own personality, my weird, goofy self with him. He understands. He calls me weird all the time, but I don't <laughs> worry every half second, you know? And, uh, yeah. but with the other one, it was like, you had to constantly worry about what they were going to decide and what you said and how you looked and what, you know, the whole, like, restrictive so I can understand that especially like in that industry how much it would make a difference well and in radio especially I mean personalities are I, I call us the island of misfit toys I mean everyone up here is so different uh and comes from such different backgrounds which is what makes radio great is that um you know anyone not anyone can do it but you know you you do have a lot of different personalities and everything and 
that actually turns into bits on our show. Like we, we take those funny quirky moments and next thing you know, we're talking about it on the show. And then I will meet a listener out, you know, at a restaurant or, or somewhere in town, they realize who I am. And they're like, Oh, are you still walking around the office barefoot? And I'm like, I was never actually barefoot. They were just yelling at me because I had flipped a sandal off for a split second, you know? And so people connect to those stories because they're so personal. And I think that's the other cool thing about, and I know I keep going back to it and sound like a broken record, the whole locally owned and being local. But, you know, there's some great syndicated radio shows out there. You know, Bobby Bones is one that I used to listen to a lot. And that was pretty cool. And, you know, there's others, but those guys are in Nashville or, you know, people are in, you know, these sports shows are in New York City and they're, you know, yeah, they're covering all the, the national things, but, and you may feel like you know who they are, but they're not in your community. And so that's why it's a lot of fun getting to do something here because I know that my listeners are literally my neighbors. Well, that's, you bring up something so funny because I, I do not now, I, I don't like, I've never, I'm a punk rock kid and a rap guy <laughs> and I don't like pop music. Like, not that I don't like, some of it's okay. But it's uh, yeah, no, I, I understand. Yeah. It's not my jam, right? But Frito and Katie in the morning and I listen to them and I have an appreciation for talent. Like, no matter what you think about Rush Limbaugh, the guy's amazing at entertaining. Like, oh, he's just yeah. an amazing radio person. Yeah. And so... Like I listened to Frito and Katie in the morning, and then when Frito was gone, I was like, "That was a mistake. That was a mistake." Because that guy's—they're really good together. That was a good show. I don't understand why that's gone. Like they—they yeah. they made a mistake with that. They should—they should definitely bring that back. Like, well, and that I don't was, have a hey, stake in the game. Yeah, that was that was Frito trying to go into the uh, what do we call the suit world. Uh, that was, that was Frito trying to think he needed to grow up and get out of radio. And then he decided, no, what, you, you never want to grow up and get out of radio. Uh, and so, yeah, I was, we were all very excited when he came back to the, to the morning show. Um, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it is, it's, you know, there's some really talented people out there and, and there's some not so talented people. I mean, what's funny about radio is like, I know, like I'll have friends be like, I can't stand that guy. And I'll go, well, why do you listen to him? Like you, you know, you are allowed to change the channel, but, and they'll say, well, but it's like a train wreck. I just can't turn away or I can't turn it off. And so it, even the, the people that get under people's skin, they will listen to them just because they feel like they, they need to hear the next, you know, terrible thing that they say or whatever. I hope people don't think that about me in the mornings, but, uh, but it is funny how I guess polarizing, you know, certain radio personalities can be. Well, it's, there's a couple of things. Like, I mean, obviously polarizing, polarization, like being polarizing one way or the other, good, bad, but being one side, like you get an emotion one way or the other from each individual person is the most, one of the most attractive things you can do. That's why mm -hmm. Rush Limbaugh is so good. Right. He's either getting people who are like just fanatical on one side or the other side and they're listening to him. You're like, how does he get the person that disagrees with him to listen to him? It's because he's polarizing, attracting that thing. Like regardless yeah. of what, which way you believe, he's getting you to listen. And so he's done his job. That's what he- I mean, as a person who shares a radio station with Rush Limbaugh's show, he is the reason why we are the number one <laughs> listened to show or station in this community. I mean, yeah, I, it's, and I, I did not listen to talk radio growing up. I didn't even probably know what it was. I was listening. I was the kid listening to candy 95 and listening to Frito and Allie back in the day. And you know, whoever else was on that morning show, um, you know, I grew up on country a lot too. So I was, you know, there's several country stations here in the community. And so when I started doing radio and they wanted me to help out with the news side of things, I thought, oh, that sounds terrible, you know? <laughs> and then, but, uh, but I would, I would fill in on the Infomaniacs every once in a while. And then, um, Patrick, who was the news guy before me, him and his wife moved and they offered me the position and I, you know, thought, okay, well, I'm going to have to wake up really early all the time, but this is, this is awesome. And, and again, I, I love it. So I, uh, and now, and it's funny again, because now podcasts, people listen to podcasts all the time and people will tell me, oh, you need to get a podcast. 
I have a three-hour morning radio show. You can go listen to that. Or we podcast it. You can go listen to that. And so um, that's that's what I tell people. I'm like, it's like a podcast with commercials, unfortunately. But it's fine. Just just listen to it later. Yeah, it's a lot of – and that's a, a, it gets to the, another point that I was talk, like thinking about in my head is like since I'm doing this podcast, mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Like it's become my favorite thing to do. Like talk to people like yourself and just get to know them and just ramble on, have conversations. I love to do that on the daily anyway. Like it's, it's fun to me um, because you're genuinely interested in people. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, sure, I'll go. Um, right. But how – the difficulty when I started this, I thought it was going to be easier than what it was at first. And then you start analyzing the way you talk and how conversations <laughs> flow and what words you use. And I found myself getting better. But a lot of people, I mean, me included, think you just turn on the switch and you just talk and you're yourself and that's fine. But there's been a lot of guests or there's been a few guests that have, you know, once I say go, it's like, wait, where did that person go that I was just talking to? Exactly. It's so weird. So it's a real talent to be able to be on a radio show like yourself with two other people. And yeah, to be able having, to being, forth. yeah, being with two other people obviously helps. Uh, there, you know, if I truly don't have anything to add to a topic or maybe, it's, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable adding to a topic, I can just not say anything and the other two will kind of take it away. We also move through topics at lightning speed. So if something is flopping and we are just not meshing with whatever is being said, or, you know, Scott, who's the host, he'll throw out a topic and Zach and I'll kind of give him that awkward silence. It's like, okay, moving on, you know, throw it away, throw it away. We will talk about ice cream bars for 30 minutes though, you know, for whatever reason, some random topic will like hit home for everybody. And 20 minutes later, we have a, we have a drop, which is like a, a fun little quick piece of audio. And, and we save them from all sorts of interviews and things like that. And then if you play it at the right moment, it just, it's yeah, it just makes for great radio. Well, we have a drop that says, well, it's just a show about nothing. And that it's true. Like there are times where like, this is truly a show about nothing, but it's so entertaining and it's so much fun. Yeah, I'm, uh, that's that I was about to say, it sounds like actual fun. Like sometimes you're going to get some knowledge and sometimes you're just going to get fun. And that's like, that's the most enjoyable thing to listen to. Yeah. Well, and Aaron, you asked, and sorry, I, I, this is me going around in circles, but you kind of mentioned the, the, the talent aspect of it and how it's kind of harder. When I first started, especially, you know, doing the newscasts and being on the show, um, I had to work on my voice and the tone and the pitch a little bit. Uh, I, I registered higher than I even expected. And sometimes I'll get higher when I get really excited about a topic, but, you know, unfortunately for women, if, if your voice is too high, it can be annoying to listen to. I mean, guys have annoying voices too. It just kind of depends, but not everybody has the pipes. Like they're not, bo- I should say not everybody's born with rushed Limbaugh pipes. I mean, I'm sure he's, you know, worked on that too, but, um, so that's, you know, there, it definitely wasn't just a turn on the microphone the first time and you were awesome. Like you aced it. Uh, there's, there is work and obviously practice, right? I mean, three hours every morning, you're going to get better. Uh, and especially, you know, luckily I have management that listens and says, Hey, why don't we work on this? Or why don't you work on this? And, um, so there, you know, there's definitely little things that I've had to practice and work on. But, um, I, I tell people all the time though, I've, I've, Maybe a couple of times I've actually introduced people like at an event or something, you know, I had a friend who was playing a concert in downtown Bryan and she asked if I would introduce her and I was like, oh, sure. It is so much different getting on a stage behind a microphone and talk and seeing the people you're talking to. Even if it is a room of 20 people and they're like, your grandparents or something. It is still so different. And people are like, you're, but aren't, don't you ever get nervous? Like you're sitting there talking to, and I have no idea how many listeners we have. We joke that there's like three of them, but, um, 
I have no idea, but I'm in a studio by myself. I'm not looking at anyone. I've just got this microphone. I've got to make sure and, and be mindful that I don't cuss or say anything too stupid, but you know, I, I don't have to see those people. And so it, it is funny how I, I always have a true appreciation for some of those music DJs who get out there and actually introduce like concerts in front of hundreds of thousands of people, because that's not easy either. That's one thing too. Like I love stand-up comedy as a whole. I've gone to see lots of shows. I like the art form and because uh, I've done public speaking before, like mm -hmm. I've done, uh, I've done a bunch of different things. I used to, I teach classes now in front of large groups of people um, and seminars. And then when you're getting your certifications for these things, you've got to teach in front of the people who write the programs to make sure that you're good and all that stuff. And um, it, you're right. It's a totally different, a totally different you, you practice it, you get better. Maybe, um, it, you know, if you're in it, like if you really enjoy it, I enjoy it. Like I find where I really like it. Like in, you get in a flow and you, you like start feeding off the people that, and you're watching them and stuff. It's fun, but it's also like, there's no hiding anywhere. Right. Right. I can, I can turn off my microphone. Like I said, I have two guys that I can fall back on. You know, I can turn off my microphone or, and burp if I need to. And you would never know. I've burped like three times during this interview and you have no idea. Um, because you can always turn off your microphone and you can always, you can always hide, like you said, but when, yeah, even just a, a business meeting, a presentation, I still get nervous when I have to do things like that. Um, even being on camera versus off camera. So when I do my sports stuff, I'm on camera for all of like 20 seconds and I spend way too long getting ready for that 20 seconds. But it's, you know, it's that split, you know, it's the, the little, it's the little time I get on camera. So I'm going to take advantage of it. Um, and, and I love it. I definitely love that energy, but I get butterflies every time before. Now, I, I think if you use butterflies and you channel them into positive energy, they can be awesome and they make you sound really excited and, and, and make you sound like, you, and you are, you're passionate about what you're doing. So I love the on-camera stuff too, but it is a different feeling than when you're just on the radio. And I shouldn't say just on the radio. I think when you're just on the radio, you have to rely on your voice and your, uh, you don't, people don't get to look at you and get distracted by what's going on with your body or your hair or whatever. It's, you know, it's you. And that's why I also, I never expected to get into radio. I 100% was going the TV route totally. And radio just kind of happened. And now I have such an appreciation for it. And a lot of people will say, you know, Oh, well, why aren't you on TV? And you know, well, sure that that's, you know, maybe in the future, but for right now, this is what I'm doing. And I absolutely love it. And I feel almost more connected to my listeners because they truly know who I am without, I mean, there's pictures of me out there, obviously, but I feel like people really get to know you without judging you on what you look like. Yeah, that, that part. And you said something super interesting that I love. And that is like, you, you over prepare for 20 seconds of TV. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure I like wait. that. I get to go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I get to, yeah. I mean, when I'm doing a, a game, I spend, you know, however many, not hours, but you know, even an hour doing my makeup, getting, picking out the right dress to wear the right top, like doing my hair, having to be totally prepped for that part of it. I wake up at 4am on weekdays. I roll out of bed. I will sometimes put on different clothes than what I slept in. It really just depends on the day. Um, and then I get to roll up in, you know, no makeup, ball cap on usually some kind of, you know, athletic leggings or shorts and tennis shoes. And you, you know, but it's great because no one sees me. They talked for a little bit about putting webcams in our studios and making this whole like video aspect. <laughs> thought to myself, please, no, I do not need to have to worry about what I look like at six o'clock in the morning. Um, so I, I always envy or not envy, excuse me. I always feel bad, I guess, for the, uh, the KBTXers on that morning crew, because they're getting up way earlier than me and they're putting on, you know, layers of makeup and hair gel and hairspray and things like that. So it's, it's great to work in radio, especially when you've got the morning shift. But do you guys prepare for your radio show in the same sort of manner to make it good? Like, do you prepare or is it literally just you walk in there and start riffing 
uh, about things? Do you share topics and go over bits and all that good stuff? It's a little bit of both. When, when we first started, so Scott is the host of our show. He's been doing the show for, I really want it like 30 plus years. He's been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach and I are the newest additions. I think this is my fourth or fifth year on the show. Zach is a little bit, uh, I guess, younger than me. He, I think this is like his third year. So, um, but we've all been doing it for a few years together now. And at first, Scott, 100%, Zach and I get here earlier, but Zach's doing sports casts for all the other stations. I'm doing newscasts for all the other stations. So, you know, spoiler alert, when you hear me on Candy 95 in the morning, that is not me doing the news live. I've done that way earlier. It is the magic of radio. Um, but we, so we're doing all of that prep for our, our own positions. And then we would just hop on at 6am and have no idea what Scott was coming at us with that day. I mean, he would just bring up topics and we, and we, you know, we each have our own computer. So if we need to look up stuff or whatever, but it was, it was totally, um, I mean, he prepped, he knew a different things that he was going to bring up but we didn't. Now, over the last year or two, just to kind of make sure that we're all offering something to the show and staying engaged, we will send story ideas to each other in the morning. Um, now, we don't need to be fully versed on the story and know everything about it, but you know, if I see something funny on Twitter or on a different website that I look at in the morning, or just a personal story. We share, we finally started getting better at, well, what has happened in your life? Because people connect with that so much and you forget. Cause again, they can get, you know, the crazy Twitter stories or whatever on Twitter. They, like, if you're, if you're, listeners are active enough, they're seeing all of that on social media, but your personal life, they don't know anything about. And so, um, we, we've definitely started incorporating Zach just got married on Saturday. So last week we were talking all about wedding stuff. My birthday was last week. So we were talking about, I mean, we, we definitely try to connect with our listeners on a more personal level. So it's a little bit of both. Like we definitely prep, but it's not like we have the entire show mapped out from start to finish. Yep. That's what, I guess that's what, that's kind of fun though. To, to be able to not know and get that honest reaction, but one person totally. does know did the show prep and just researches like, okay. And then you said Twitter, and oh my gosh, there's so much on Twitter that you could just riff on and get upset about right. or go on a tangent, you know, like just, and get that raw emotion of humor coming from anger with, you know, just personality <laughs> because it's just so, it's such a wacky, it's such a wacky world. I just started it with this podcast and I'm reading, I'm going like, oh people cannot see that you're laughing on the other side of this keyboard either. Like, right. They're so emotional about it. I'm like, why are people so emotional on the internet? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, it didn't exist when I was a kid. So I have a different perspective on it, I guess. I guess that's oh, what it is. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, well, and I think, you know, we're not people who take life too seriously or we get that hung up on one issue. I personally, at least I, I know that's how I am. And so I love Twitter for headlines. I love it for sports. I love it for certain things, but yeah, when you, when you really kind of get into that deep dive of Twitter, it's just, it's so interesting what people will really, you know, just go with, I guess. But it's fun because our, our show is so unique in the sense of like, Scott's, you know, almost 70 years old. He doesn't have social media. He has no idea what's going on on social media. Zach is still on Facebook. So he sees all of the crap that's put out on Facebook. I'm more of an Instagrammer. Uh, I do a little bit of Twitter again, just for kind of more of like headline purposes. And so we all kind of bring something different to the table. And so it it truly is funny, the things that we teach Scott and that Scott, you know, teaches us in return about, you know, the good old days. So we have a lot of fun. It's a pretty unique uh, combination that we have on the show. That, That is pretty fun to have the same guy that like doesn't pay attention to the social media as much or at all. And then have two people that are involved in the social media world and in that and hearing the insight from has no influence from that outside, you know, yeah. area. That, well, that we, like fun. the like the other day we had an entire conversation about the like origin of Karen. 
and like how Karen became a thing and who is Karen? Why did they pick the name Karen? And, and then today, apparently this guy did an entire study about the naming, like baby name patterns and what male name followed most closely with Karen and it's Terry. So now we know that the male... Yeah. So now we know that the male equivalent of Karen is anyone named Terry. So sorry if your name is Terry, but, uh, and I'm sorry if your name's Karen, but yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of some of the stuff that we talk about. And again, you know, we have to sit there and explain to Scott, like what that means. Cause he has no clue. Um, it's also great. I mean, toot my own horn, but I'm, I, we've had females on the show before, but it had been a while. And so being able to bring the female perspective has been huge, I think. And, and, you know, I love hearing from female listeners because obviously our demographic is mainly middle-aged to older men. And so hearing from females is so much fun. And especially when they're, you know, they tell me how happy they are that I'm on the show because you get to hear the female perspective. I mean, you know, there's days we bring up, you know, are you, are you missing that, you know, the, the option to wear lipstick because everybody's in a face mask right now? Well, you know, Scott and Zach aren't going to have a take on lipstick or makeup or anything like that. So it's fun. Cause I think we get to cover more topics with having, you know, two 30 year olds and then, you know, a 70 year old, but then two men and a female. And so it's, you know, it, it's, it's getting, it's, it's the nice combination. This made it really hilarious what you just told me because, and, and it makes sense because I, I, for some reason, what sticks out in my Instagram because it was so silly was you had some dating, some shouldn't date a man in a certain age frame, oh. like had to be so old or so young. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. So <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So that was the topic we actually talked about on the show. There was some 35 year old dating expert from Australia and it was a female. And I think she was just really bitter and maybe had some bad experiences or something, but she, yeah, she said that you should not date men in their thirties. Cause that's like their least committed time period of their lives or, or something like that. And so I took it to the extreme. I don't think she meant to date down to your twenties, but that's when I went on Instagram and was like, wait, am I supposed to date guys in their twenties then like go back younger or am I supposed to go up into their forties? And I got more responses to that whole topic from men in their thirties who were so pissed because they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then, uh, and then I also pissed off some of our listeners on the show because I said, you know, guys in their forties with kids, I don't really know if I need that baggage in my life. And they were like, Hey, it's not always our fault that, you know, we ended up like this. <laughs> it oh was, my it ended up being a pretty funny topic all around. So yeah, I'm trying to picture like a 70 year old guy and, you know, just, or just a guy in general, having the conversation with the day, it would be funny. But your take on it was hilarious. On the I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I can't imagine like riffing with those two other people on this subject. Like this makes absolutely no sense. There's people. There's people who are plenty like committed in their twenties and in their thirties and their forties. It's just an individual yeah, thing. <laughs> and on the flip side, and on the flip side, there are a lot of men, men and women who are never committed, no matter what age they're, you know, they are. So yeah. We, and so that's the fun part is we take, you know, headlines or stories like that. And then we get to bring our own personal experiences into it. So it becomes a lot of fun. Yeah. Super awesome. It was, it was, it was, that makes it really funny in my head. Now I did, I can see the entire thing. Yeah. So I, like I said, I'm pretty active on Instagram. You said you saw the stories. Um, I, I like to Instagram story a lot. Sometimes I bring in stuff from the show. Sometimes it's just, you know, again, my personal life, whatever is going on. I get to be even a little bit more me on Instagram. Obviously there's, you know, I, I can drop an F-bomb and not get, you know, totally railed for it or anything like that. Um, I still try to I don't want to say I'm not myself completely, but obviously I still have to mind my P's and Q's because I do have listeners. I, I mean, I have, my parents aren't on Instagram, but they have friends that are that follow me. And so I'm just, you know, I, I still want to make sure it's somewhat family friendly, but I, uh, I love to just talk about random stuff that's going on in my life. Oh, you've got cool travel photos. And that's like, you know, I think we ran, actually ran into you at the airport. We did. Um, the first time I met you, or I guess the only time I really met you, we were in the Austin airport. That was last, this time last year. I think you guys were headed, was it like Oregon or 
Yeah, if we were with the family, we were going to Oregon. If we were by ourselves, probably Hawaii. Okay, I think the kids were with you, so I don't remember yeah. what that, but, and I was headed to Ireland, and so, uh, yeah, man, remember the days of travel? That was fun. <laughs> oh, it was a blast. I, um, I, we were so, like, bummed that we had to cancel our Hawaii trip this year. Oh, like, yeah, oh, I, I was supposed to, yeah, I was supposed to go to London in July, and that obviously didn't happen. Um, so my best friend and I, we ended up doing like a West Texas road trip. And oh, cool. headed all, yeah. And so figured we'd stay in the state, do something on the road, find a way to, you know, avoid the COVID as much as possible. Uh, and so we ended up down in Big Bend National Park because as two Texans, we had never been. I probably didn't even know we had a national park until like three years ago. And so it was awesome. It was a great, great trip. We got there in June just before the heat got unbearable. But yeah, it was, it was an incredible time. We had a lot of fun. That, uh, I've had some se several people like travelers, hikers, like photographers say that's the real West Texas. And it, yeah. it really is true. Big Bend is amazing. I like, it's, it's such a cool place if you haven't been. It's like, you, it takes forever to get there. That's the thing. Awesome. It's so far away. It is so far away from us. And so you hear about it. And that's why we decided we're going to need to do a road trip where we can actually take several days off and not just try to go for the weekend because it's just way too far if you're only going to go a day or two. And so we did the whole, we stopped in Alpine and Marfa, and then we went down to Terralingua was where we stayed. It's this little ghost town, like right outside <laughs> of the park. <laughs> you said, yeah, that place is a very interesting. I'm glad uh, I saw it. Yeah, yeah, Terralingua is it's pretty neat. We actually stayed. We kind of, we we said we kind of glamped if you want to call it that. There's this really cool company that has these teepees and these we we stayed in what was called a lotus tent. So we still stayed in a, in a queen size bed and had a coffee maker and an air conditioning unit, but we were in this canvas tent that looked like a cream puff is the best way to describe it. And so it was as close as we could get to camping without, you know, being totally out of our element. That's awesome. It that was, fun. yeah, it was a lot of fun. We, we, and you know, we're two, I don't want to call us city girls, but we're definitely not campers. We're not necessarily avid hikers, but we loved every minute of it. And Big Bend is so incredible. It's because you've got desert, you've got mountains and you've got the river. And so you've got such different terrains, even on a single hike, you feel like you're in a different world multiple times. And so uh, and then to know, I mean, as a Texan, you just have so much pride in the fact that your state has this amazing park. So it was one of the best trips we've, we've taken. It was a lot of fun. Do you, do you get like any of the bits and ideas and like, do you find it helps you to travel like, and then educate when you're talking on your show? Like when you're relaying stuff, do you get stories and bits from your little adventures? And then you're like, maybe you want to push the envelope a little more and go on another adventure to a different place? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, both my parents being from upstate New York and we travel there once every year or every other year and then living up in that area for a while. I mean, I graduated from grad school in 2011 and I still talk about, you know, situations and experiences living up in the Northeast. And I think, you know, even if it's just a trip, everywhere you go, it kind of has a stamp on your being and you, you can always pull from that and, and bring it into the show. And like you said, kind of, you know, talk about different cultures and different people and just different ways of life. Um, because as much as we love being in Texas and, and being Texans, there is more to the, the world out there. Oh, yes. I, I mean, growing up in Texas, my whole life, uh, like you would grow up thinking that that's all there is. And then you go and yeah. venture out and you're like, Oh wow, this is so much fun. Like I love Texas and I'm very proud, like very proud to be in Texas, but it's also fun to go out and learn things about the different cultures and the best education I ever got. That's what I always say. Like it's the best ed education you can ever get is to just talk to the people and not, not in some like big fancy resort where there's nothing but a bunch of other people that traveled there, but like right. yeah, place. walk around, hang out, uh, almost like not so hardcore like Henry Rollins, but like toned back. Yeah. 
So the trip I was talking about going to Ireland, that trip, I actually went with a company called under 30 experiences. They're based out of Austin and they put together these group trips for young people and they have trips all over the world and you sign up. And so I, I wanted to do something by myself, but I was not, I'm not an avid traveler enough to do something totally solo. I didn't feel that comfortable. And so I was like, why don't I go with this, this group company? And then I'm doing something on my own as in none of my friends are going with me, but I will be with this group of people, like-minded people for the most part. I mean, we all came from different backgrounds, but we all were young and liked to travel and wanted to see the world. And then we had a group leader that made sure everything, you know, ran smoothly and everything was taken care of. And that was the other thing, as much as I like to travel, I hate to plan. I am not somebody who's good at like finding the best hotel and the best restaurants and the best place. Like, I hate that. Like, just take me anywhere you want to, but I don't want to have to make those decisions or do that research. I've just, that's not my personality. And so going with this, you pay the money up front, you get your flight and everything is taken care of for you. And that was so much fun. And we spent six days in Ireland and it was, it was absolutely incredible. And that was my first time, not out of the country, but overseas. And so it was, it was, it was awesome. And I cannot wait to travel more once, especially internationally, once all of this stuff is over and done with. Well, that's what we have said as our five years Ireland. We kind of both sat down and talked about like, where would we want to go? And it's like, Ireland's always been in like a place I've wanted to go visit. And so Kim, Kim as well. So it's like, that's, that's kind of we're like, okay, it's, for our fifth year anniversary, Ireland. It is beautiful. You just want to make sure that you go at a decent time of year for them. I mean, I went in August and I was still wearing, you know, pants and a, and a jacket and it's, yeah, it's a little bit cooler over there. And so there's definitely good and bad times of the year, but the countryside is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, everybody raves about Dublin. We only spent half a day in Dublin and I'm so glad that that was it. Yeah. It's a city. It's cool. But it's like, once you've seen a city, you've seen a city to actually go experience the countryside and, and experience you know, the smaller towns that don't necessarily get a lot of that tourism. Those were the best thing. Like those were the best places that we went. No, that's for sure. I like, I love Guinness anyway, but like that would be oh. a fantastic thing to do to go into a local pub somewhere, not in a big city, like a local small pub Yeah, and then hang out with this. They seem like they have such camaraderie. Like they're, they're just all joined to get like all yeah. one. And it just looks like so much fun. They're such happy people. They're so nice. I mean, you always hear about certain countries that hate Americans. That is not Ireland, or at least not in my experience. They're so welcoming. And yeah, they just want to have a cold beer with you or a shot of Jameson or, or whatever. And so they're the, they were the nicest people. It was, it was so much fun. And I'm not going to lie because I, I hadn't traveled a whole lot. I wanted to go somewhere where they spoke English because I wanted to be able to talk to them and get to know them and ask for directions if I needed to. And so that was one of the reasons I wanted to, to try Ireland first for my like first big trip. And uh, yeah, they were, but their accents are just so fun too. So it was, it was an awesome trip. Oh, that's such a great idea with like, I mean, I'm married to one of those people who does all the planning and yeah, lucky you. Dude, she <laughs> finds, I don't know how she does it, but she finds the best restaurants. I mean, they're fantastic. She finds the best places to stay. I don't know exactly what her skill is in finding these things, but she does such an awesome job. But I, I, like, it's great that somebody provides that service as a group of people, um, whether it be just young people or anybody. Like, If you're looking to get out and you don't really know or maybe it's kind of scary, they made that a lot easier for people. That's pretty cool. Yeah, these guys are awesome. Like I said, they're based out of Austin and that was their whole thing. They were they were young people who wanted to travel but kind of on a budget. And so they came up with this company and I think they started doing like small trips to Costa Rica and then it eventually grew and grew and now I said like I said they have trips all over the world. They do um, you know, they have like a, a wine and food themed trip to France and Spain. And so they'll do some that are a little bit more, they have like an active trip. So if you're really into working out and like yoga, there's a trip to, I, I think 
Costa Rica or maybe somewhere else where you, you know, you spend the mornings doing yoga on the beach and things like that. But um, they have stuff for everyone. And it's called under 30 experiences, but I think the age cutoff is like 35. And I was turning 31 on the trip. And I thought to myself, I'm going to be so old compared to everyone else on this trip. But honestly, like there were a few kids like in their younger twenties, but most of them were like 25 or older. And then I actually wasn't even the young, the oldest on the trip. There were a couple more that were older than me. So I, I don't want people to get turned off. If it's something you're interested in, you know, don't get turned off by it. If you're, you know, on that edge of 30 or even a little bit older, because it definitely did not feel like I was on college, like spring break or anything. That's even better. Cause I don't like spring break. I grew up on South Padre <laughs> Island. I grew oh up on my gosh. Island and I like it when spring break time was there. It's like, can, can this just go away now? I'm pretty much. Uh, yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine that would have been rough, especially. Yeah. I had a friend that grew up in Panama city beach and she felt the same way. <laughs> it's just so obnoxious. I know it brings a little bit of money in, but all the locals are just like, dude, I'll just be happy when the winter Texans get here. It's going to be awesome. It's nice and chill. They just steal the salt shakers. They don't have the a salt shakers. <laughs> no, they steal every, like, I think there's a certain age that you get to where it's just like, what are you going to do? Throw me in jail for this? Like people just, it, it, it was, it's hilarious. They just packets and peanuts, the free peanuts they give you at the thing. Like they just dump them. I've seen a lady dump them in her purse. It's like scoop them in. Scoop them oh in. Oh my God. That's <laughs> it's super funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I grew up here, you know, in Bryan College Station. So I feel like it's spring break all year round. No, not really. It's not that bad. But, um, but it is, it is funny when the students are back in town, how different the town feels than when they're not here. <laughs> we, we actually have been talking like, you know, you hear since I moved up here, it's, I grew up in a seasonal thing. So I appreciate, I've always appreciated uh, the influx of people and income to the area. So I've always sure. like, appreciated that. And, uh, but you know, hearing people like, oh, the students are back. It's going to be hard to get anywhere. Now I don't go out. So that's not ever been really my jam. So I'm okay with it. But, um, I think now is a, I hope more people appreciate having the students in town because of the income and money and jobs that it creates with the people. Because for a while there, it was in jeopardy, whether they would even be coming back into town. If people are not appreciative of the students at this point, then they don't need to live here because they are truly the driving force. That university is the drive, the heartbeat of our local economy. And even just the numbers that they've been throwing out lately is it's terrifying. And so, yeah, as much as we like to complain about them and complain about traffic and, and all of those things, it is 100% a necessity to have them back here. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's just something that popped in my head when you said the students, I'm like, man, I'm actually like super thankful. I just said it today. I was like, man, I'm really thankful yeah. the students are back because I like this place. Um, it, it was, I didn't even know where it was when I moved here, but I've, you know, I met Kim here. I've got an awesome life. Like this has become, this is a cool little town to raise a family and do all these awesome things. It's kind of a nice hub where you can travel out of. Um, I wish the ocean was a little closer or the mountains, one of the two, but it's really is like, it's a great town. It's got a great like ethic and morals and like just the whole vibe of it between Bryan and College Station. It's a cool place to live and it's kind of it in its own bubble. Yeah, it is definitely. You know, people ask me all the time, are you going to ever move? Are you going to get out of here? And and I would love to to move and try something new and, and go somewhere else. I mean, my year in upstate New York was not the greatest when it came to the amount of snow we received and things like that, but it, it really helped me grow as a person. And and for me, you know, I'm single. It's if, if any time is as good to kind of move and spread my wings, it's now, but I love my gig. I love this town. I love being close to my family. And I mean, I can see why people get sucked into this town and stay here, but it's uh, I, I love it too. You're right. It's, it's an awesome place to live. Oh, we've got, we've got a, so, I mean, we love this place and it would take a lot for us to move, but there's a couple places we, and for sure, one of them is Utah that we just absolutely, like that place is awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. The people are awesome. Like every part of that state that we've been, we've been to all over and it's, 
it's that's one of the few that we've returned to like you know that we've gone back to the only thing but i've seen pictures and it looks amazing it just gets super cold and a lot of snow and yeah kim does not like the snow yeah yeah no i i don't like the snow actually i'll give you this snow and cold can both be combated with sunshine but the problem is if you go to a place where there's just a lot of clouds and there's a lot of gray, it's super depressing. And that's, that was upstate New York for me. And that was the hardest part. It wasn't so much the snow and the cold. It was the gray skies and the lack of sunshine. And uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely tough. But Vitamin D is such a real thing. Like totally. people on the beach are so happy because they get lots of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Hey, Aaron, I've loved this conversation, but I am actually out of time. I'm oh. so sorry. I no, no, don't be sorry. Short. I'll just go on forever if you if sometimes. No, you and I, I will time. too, but I actually, somebody needs my, my room. So my, my fancy radio station room, which is, is not that fancy at all. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm so sorry. I did not realize that it was going to be, or I mean, I, I knew that we would talk for a while. I didn't realize that my room was going to be needed. So no, no problem. Let everybody know what your shows are again before we close it out. Yeah, absolutely. So you can listen to us uh, at WTAW. It's 1620 on the AM dial or 94.5 on the FM dial. If you're not around a radio, you can always listen online at RadioAggieland.com. But it's the Infomaniacs run from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays. And you can hear me on all Brian Broadcasting stations randomly throughout the day. Uh, And if you want to, I'd love to have you follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Chelsea A. Reber. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-R-E-B-E-R. Awesome. Thanks, Chelsea. I'll let you go. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. Have a great one. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you to Chelsea for being on. We really appreciate it. Remember, if you want to support the podcast, go get some coffee and also like, rate, and review on iTunes. It really helps us out a lot. And until the next episode, see ya.